Greetings, greenhouse people. Cuttings are arriving at your greenhouses around the world, and in order to get these young plants off to a great start, some processes and protocols need to be in place to hold and handle the cuttings between the time of unboxing and sticking. So what do you need to look for, and how do you need to proceed to ensure uniformity in production? We're going to address these questions and many more in this episode of Tech on Demand brought to you by Grower Talks, where our goal is always to bring you tips, tricks, and information to produce your best crop ever. Be sure to subscribe to the Tech on Demand podcast on your favorite podcast app like iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and more, so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Bill Calkins, and I'm very excited to be joined by Dr. Will Healy, one of my favorite greenhouse technical experts because of his knack for combining sound academic greenhouse advice, real-world examples based on decades of experience, and also a fair measure of funny stories and analogies. Will has just about seen it all in greenhouses around the world and is a trusted resource for many professional growers. In this episode, he's bringing you extremely relevant advice on how to handle cuttings when they arrive at your loading dock after a very long journey from their farms of origin. When they were harvested and packed, they were as healthy as can be. But we all know what can happen in a truck. From temperature roller coasters to severe dehydration, they often arrive in desperate need of attention. Are you and your team prepared to practice cuttings husbandry and even resuscitation before those little plants move to the transplant line? Well, you will be after this podcast. So let's hear some horror stories, tales of rebirth, and a whole lot of best practices from the good doctor. Will, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks a lot, Bill. Um, I'm really excited about the, the topic for today because it reminds me of you and some of the things that you um, are doing in your personal life. So, um, you know, you're one of those crazy triathlon guys. So, I am. You know, yeah. And, and as a triathlon guy, you understand all about today's topic, don't you? I do. I do. Because really, uh, the last thing you want to do in a triathlon is wilt. And you know, part part of uh, part of the whole training is is getting yourself ready to go. Uh, it's a long race; uh, it goes on for a very long time. And if you get behind in your hydration, your nutrition, you know, any, any of those things, you are going to be in big trouble at the end, and uh, also at the beginning when it's time to go. So, um, yeah, when when you look at this topic, I think that that's probably a, a pretty good analogy because you want to. Uh, you want to be as strong as you can, that's for sure. Yeah, because, you know, when we think about the whole issue of unrooted cuttings is, you know, we grow them in southern middle um, middle America, middle Central America regions because of the high light so that they get plenty of nutrition. There's lots of carbohydrates loaded into them. They're fed aggressively, so they've got a lot of fertilizer in them. So they're all ready to go. But the wild card that we're playing with is this whole hydration problem. And the hydration of cuttings in our research over the last several years is really the key factor in uniformity of rooting and success with the whole rooting process. You know, if you don't have um, uniform rooting of the cuttings, then what happens is, is that every stage through the whole process to retail is a struggle of uniformity. You've got to go basically either throw plants out, that's a bad thing, 
Um, you basically end up not having uniform flowering. You have on uniform size. It, the whole the whole process just kind of breaks down. And today's grower needs to be as uniform as absolute possible. And so, with unrooted cuttings, Bill, the real key here is how do we create the gre greatest amount of uniform rooting within that block of cuttings that you've got coming in. So, you know, when we think about our overall process, the real killer is the stick and die process. Have you ever heard me talk about that, Bill? Absolutely. Where, yeah, where growers are basically, they, they take cuttings and they go, yeah, these probably, we're gonna have to just stick them. And they stick them with this trepidation that they stick them and they're gonna die. What we know about this process is that um, if we basically stick uniformly hydrated cuttings, so that they're all fully hydrated the same, then basically what happens is they root more uniformly and they root more aggressively, faster, easier. You have less breakdown, you have less problems. So one of the things we've really zeroed in on in, on in our research is the uniformity issue. Um, and how do we get uniform hydration? Um, if you think about it as uniform rooting equals uniform performance and flowering. That is our goal is uniformity. Um, now, you probably are going to ask me, Bill, because I know because I know you is why why are they aren't they all uniformly hydrated? Right. I mean, yeah. But, you know, think about it. You got that race with, you know, 15 different people um, running side by side, you know, because you're always in the front of the pack <laughs> of 50 year olds. Um, <laughs> I hope so. All those speedsters are gone, but those 50 year olds are still are kind of running as a pack. Each of you have a different hydration because some of you listen to your coach and were fully hydrated, just like some plants got watered. Some plants didn't take up water. Some plants were um, not as good at um, do it. And then, of course, depending upon the day, the time of day, you know, early in the morning when you run, do you sweat very much and lose much water, Bill? No, not at all. It's middle yeah, but, of the day. Middle of the yeah, day. Yeah, middle of the day. And just like Bill's middle of the day, cuttings are harvested in the middle of the day. And, of course, those are our problem children. You, as a recipient of unrooted cuttings, have no idea, nor can you, nor can you, can you ask, only harvest the cuttings on the first part of the day. That's just not going to happen. So you really have to, it's your job as a rooting station or a rooter to basically acknowledge the fact that cuttings are coming to you with variable hydration. So, and then of course, through the whole farm experience, you know, they take them off and they put them in a plastic bag, set them out in the sun. And of course, Bill, what happens when you sit, when you're running out there in the sun? You're wilting. Exactly. And so they try to run them into a cooler as quickly as possible. And what does cooling do? Cooling by its nature is a dehydration process. So it basically continues to suck the water out of them. Then you take the cuttings and you put them into um, dry cardboard boxes. And what does that cardboard do? It continues to suck water out of it. Now, in the perfect world, the cuttings go into the box at, say, 40 degrees Fahrenheit, um, and they travel perfectly right at 40 degrees all the way till they come to your greenhouse and you open them up and you put them into a 40 degree cooler and life is good. It never happens, right? What normally happens is that they go to the, they go to the airport, they get off the truck and somebody's standing there counting the boxes. One, two, 
three. And of course, as they're slowly counting the boxes, those boxes are warming up. The worst thing that happens in the, in the life of a cutting is rapid temperature fluctuations. As it goes up, and then it comes back down. What it does though is it goes up, the plant is gonna start respiring to try to cool down. And then when it drops down, it basically then condenses water on the plastic bag uh, inside that bag. And of course it sucked the water out. Now, of course you have no roots, you have no bottles of water in that box. So therefore you lose, you're losing, you're dehydrating those cuttings. Now, so once, we, once our research has shown that you hit the 70% dehydration, or I'm sorry, 70% hydration, 30% dehydration. So that cutting is just starting to wilt. Rooting variability starts to increase dramatically. As you start going down below 70%, on some cuttings, they actually are stick and die. They just cannot recover, especially depending on your mist system. You just can't mist them fast enough because you're putting them in a hot greenhouse with sun. And of course, that sunny hot greenhouse is sucking water out of them. Also, you've stuck them into a dry greenhouse area in a dry sticking area and that sucked water out of them. So they've just basically caused it to go down even more and the plants just aren't able to recover fast enough. Because, you know, Bill, if you don't take a drink of water as you come into the end of the race, what happens to you? Well, you're you're gonna cramp up. You're gonna, I mean, you're gonna be in, in bad shape. You you are you're hurting bad, right? Yes. And if you and if you don't do something about it, you are gonna be hurting bad for a long time. In the case of cuttings, it's lethal. They just never really kind of get any better. They just you you as a grower just make it less bad. That's about all you can do. So it's that stick and die that ends up in shrink. I mean, and yeah. that's a loss. And then if you have to replace those cuttings, now you're really behind the eight ball and uh, you're, you're trying to hustle your way through the process. So when it comes to getting that uniformity that we're all striving for, you know, you absolutely have to, to get ahead of the game, knowing that those cuttings have traveled a long distance and what sounds really like a, a horror story of, of a, the worst travel nightmare you can you can think of. And, and now you're, you know, and they're, they're, they're young and tender to begin with. But there are definitely things that, that we can do, um, you know, we, we can do to, to resuscitate them. So what when, when you think about that, that long trip, all those things that, that can happen, uh, you know, a lot can go bad. What what do growers need to look for? when the cuttings arrive, because I would imagine there are signs that you can look for that you need to, you know, start, start working ahead on these uh, before you stick them. Right. Well, just like when you come to the end of the race, Bill, your, your coach, your family, someone looks at you, right? Mm -hmm. First thing that they don't all go running off to get um, ice cream and cookies because they're at the end of the race. They, they basically go and come around you and they assess you. So one of the first things you need to do is assess the box and see what's happened in this box. And of course, the way you can do it is you get your infrared thermometer, which of course everybody owns one now, thanks to COVID. Um, and you take that infrared thermometer and you check the temperature in the box. So you wanna check the temperature on the edges of the box, the outside edges, you want to check the box on the middle of the box where it's near the cold box, the cold ice pack or the cold center. So you're basically looking at those cuttings and seeing, is there any temperature variation? Because, you know, if they 
basically the box heated up and then it went into a nice cold transport area. The outside's gonna be cold and the inside's gonna be hot. The next thing you wanna do is check the ice. Is the ice still 32 degrees as in frozen? Now they use a special kind of ice. They put a water absorbing polymer. So it's actually should be lower than 32 degrees um, is in the box. So don't be surprised if you got like a 28 degree or 25 degree um, Fahrenheit um, ice block, that's good. When you got a 40, 50, 70 degrees ice block, Bill, I don't think that's a good plan. What do you think? No, it's not an ice block. <laughs> exactly. So you want to assess that because that'll start telling you, do we have potentially a problem on our hands? Then you want to take and assess the bag. Look at that bag and ask yourself, okay, do I see moisture on the inside of the bag? Because moisture on the inside of the bag had to come from somewhere. Where do you think it comes from, Bill? It's coming from the it's condensation, right? Exactly. It's condensation from the cuttings. So look at it and see if you see those little droplets of water on the inside. That tells you those cuttings were dehydrated or are in the process of dehydration. So they're not basically, they're, they're kind of limp. They're kind of, as we say, the um, dead bird flying, it's kind of a limp bird. Then you wanna basically look at those unrooted cuttings. Do you have that flying bird or a droopy bird? Um, you know, and the fly, you basically, if you cut, hold the cutting by the end of its um, stem, where it's been cut. And if it basically looks, the leaves are hanging out straight out and there's no limp to it, that's what we call the flying bird. And there's been a lot of um, publications that we've done um, over the years where we've got a picture of that flying bird. That's good. That means it can hold itself up because it's fully hydrated or adequately hydrated. Mm -hmm. But if all those leaves just hang down, well, that basically tells me that that cutting has started to dehydrate. And so that that's going to be a problem when you go to um, start doing it. Take a look at your data logger. If you have one in there, not all shipments have them. But if you do have a data logger, what you're looking for is um, where does the curve go? Is the curve a slow and gradual increase? That kind of works. That's reality. That's our life. If you've got these bounces that look like a roller coaster, and the scarier the roller coaster with the more bounces, the more problems you're gonna have. Because every time it warms up, it basically sucks water out of the cuttings. And every time it drops, it condenses the water back onto the bag. And so the water that's sitting in that bag does not go back into the cuttings, seldom if ever. So you really have to look at to see, do you have temperature bounces? Not a nice increase, you know, because if it increases from 40 to 70 degrees on a nice gentle beginner ski slope, good to go. But if it basically looks like a scary ride at the amusement park, that is a scary temperature. So remember, the temperature bumper pads, as we call them, where you want to basically be going, you want to be between about 35 degrees Fahrenheit to about 80 degrees Fahrenheit. That's kind of the range that you should slide up to um, through this nice gradual increase. Okay, so if if you look at the cuttings, if you've done these different assessments, now you've you got a droopy bird, you've got a roller coaster data logger. What are uh, some of the steps that, that need to be taken to hydrate these cuttings? Because, you know, like you said, you've got to start strong in order to get that uniformity. So uh, what, are, what are some of the actions that need to be taken? And are some methods better or quicker than others? I guess that's probably two questions, but you can handle it. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's really what you want to do is you want to rehydrate the cuttings. We've done a lot of different research, looked at a lot of different strategies. Is a wet floor and a cooler adequate? Eh, well, not really. You know, if you go I'll look at um, bad, good, better, best, bad is a cooler that has dry floors. You basically have the cooler drying it out and you have the floor sucking moisture out of it. This is a bad scene. So a basically a really bone dry cooler, bad. Now good is a wet floor. So at least you've got some water in there that's, but it's still just only good. It's you know better than bad, but it's still only good. Better is some type of a humidity system where you're basically putting, um, you know, like a Netafog, nozzles in there where you're just getting water in there regularly. And the best system is a fog system. You can get these fog systems on, um, pop, you know, on the internet, party fog machines. Um, we've even used for small operations, we've gone to um, these vibrating um, humidifiers that you can get at this time of the year at the, um, during the winter, you know, for um, basically humidifying a small child's room, any kind of humidifier, something that's going to put humidity into there. Ideally, you want to have a chamber that when you open the door, you can't see to the back because it is a fog room. A fog room, because it, remember, the pores on those leaves are very, very small, right, Bill? And so you've got to move that very fine aerosoled water into that very fine pour, and you got to get it to kind of seep in through the plastic bags. You got to seep it in through the cracks and crevices everywhere. And so the finer the droplet, the easier it is to move through all of these areas. So you really want to basically have that. You want um, the chamber you're working and unpacking, you want that to be um, as fine a fog as you possibly can get. You want to unpack it, and you want to create kits so that, you know, unpack it, figure out where you are. You know, people think, okay, I got to unpack it and stick it like within 30 seconds or they're all going to die. Well, no, take a deep breath, you know, and hydrate those cuttings before you go. I mean, Bill, before between the different triathlon activities, what's one of the things that you always do? You're always hydrating. I mean, you take exactly. that time. It's worth yeah. it. Because you know that you can't get to the next step successfully, right? As you come out of that swim, even though you've been surrounded by water, what do you do? You got to drink. I mean, you got to drink something because you have lost water and sweat, no matter if you think so or not. Right. So between the steps, before you stick them, let's make sure they're hydrated. So take a moment to get yourself organized. You'll find operationally this is more important than anything else you do. Let's get those kits made. The kits have the tags, have the um, all the cuttings that you need. So you stick them all at one time. Because remember, getting boxes of cuttings is like Christmas. You're never sure what's in the box until you open it up and sort it out. So let's get them open and get them sorted. A 50 to 55 degree cooler is a good temperature because the warmer the air, the more water it can hold. So you're kind of between 60, 65 degrees is almost getting to be too high. You're going to start burning up carbohydrates. You know, Bill, you know that running in the morning at 50, 55 is a lovely temperature, right? Yep. And, in, in, and then when you're, um, if the temperature is less lower, so you're down into the 40s, it can't hold as much water. So you can't get as much fog in there. So really that 50, 55 is kind of a happy place. Um, and make sure that you get the fog. You know, and if you can get the cuttings out of the bag into an open container, that has always been the best 
because you can hydrate the fastest. Um, leaving them in the plastic bags also works. Leaving them in the box does not work because they're packed like sardines in that box. And the box basically prevents um, any infiltration if it's been designed correctly, because that's the, the plan. So you need to get that sucker open to get the air in there. Another thing to think about is what is the husbandry? How are you handling that cutting once you've got it unpacked until you finally get it to the mist bench? You know, do you have hydration in your sticking lines? One of the things that we found was, and it really shocked us, is that if you take a cutting out of a hydrated, you have fully hydrated cuttings and you take them out and you then put them into a normal sticking area, you know, a greenhouse that's heated to you know 70 degrees ish with heat with floor heat guess what the humidity is in there bill it's probably pretty high no you're wrong oh, that's what people think that's what people think huh? no it's like 20% so therefore what we find is is that um, that in sticking environment is actually hostile to the hydration process. You can, you can take a cutting and you can suck the hydration from 100% hydrated down to that critical 70% within a matter of a couple, with a matter of an hour, maybe maximum two hours. So really think about how are you maintaining hydration in that operation, in your sticking operation, so that you're not dehydrating, you're doing all the good things on packing and then basically doing yourself in um, in the sticking process, you know, hold the trays in a fog area. You know, one of the things that we found was, is that, you know, late in the day, you basically can't be in the greenhouse. And what they'll do is they'll stick the cuttings and they'll, they'll basically have a area that's in fog. They just basically put plastic around it, over and around it, and they just pump fog into this area so that those cuttings can sit overnight in the fog. Which cuttings, now this is a trick question, Bill, which cuttings do you think perform better? The ones that you stuck and ran into the hot greenhouse or those that sat overnight in the fog? The ones in the fog are doing better. Exactly. For a couple of reasons. One is that you're able to um, basically make sure the cuttings are fully hydrated before they go to the bench where it's hot. And not only that, but when you take them out in the morning, someone is there to take care of them. Whereas when you're running them in all day long, you know, the activities that occur late in the day in the greenhouse are a little more sluggish mm -hmm. than those that occur early in the morning. So if you really want to make sure that you've got best performance all the way through your fog, your humidity control chain, your that whole humidity chain that's similar to your temperature chain, um, you want to make sure you think about that. So make sure that you know you've got plenty of um, humidity in there, and also as you move into the um, rootings area, your mist area, make sure your floors are wet. You know we talk about um, you know at this time of the year the greenhouses are starting to fill, which means that half of the mist area hasn't been used for probably several months, and it is bone dry, and it will suck the moisture, the humidity out of that greenhouse until you're entirely full, that greenhouse is going to be um, sucking water out of those cuttings. Even though you're misting, it's still removing water. So you really want to make sure that those that first 48 hours, 72 hours, you don't go through a dehydration, that you don't end up with limp cuttings in your misting area. So that's really kind of, if you think about what do you do, uh, make sure that you um, have an area that is nothing but a hydrating experience. And by the way, 
make sure that it's where the cuttings are. Do not be trying to hydrate people with fog. They don't like it. In fact, they rebel against it. In our experience, it's best to have a curtain wall around your sticking area, not over your sticking area, because if you get cutting, customers are the, the harvester, uh, sticking crew wet, they're unhappy. Cuttings are happy, they're unhappy. So let's make sure that we keep everybody happy. Okay, Bill? No, I think though those are all, that's excellent uh, amount of advice there. Um, you know, bad is the dry cooler good. Is a uh, cooler with a wet floor better is having a true humidity system. But, you know, if you, if there's a way you can get fog in there, you are going to be much better off um, than any of the other uh, tactics. That's really, really good advice. So I know that uh, some of the folks on the tech on demand team have been doing research. And uh, like you said earlier, I am uh, much more familiar with endurance sports than I am with uh, high tech <laughs> greenhouse research. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what the team at Ball is doing uh, to learn more about this issue and come up with new solutions. Um, you know, anytime uh, that, that a company like Ball is putting time and resources into uh, the, these kind of topics, it's really to benefit the plants and benefit uh, professional growers as they, as they work with these plants. So uh, what are uh, some of the, what, what's, what's going on uh, behind the scenes at, at Ball with some of this research? Well, you know, we're really um, excited by the work that Nathan Jenke is doing on um, the basically focusing on this whole area of rooting. You know, besides looking at LED lights, which there's a number of people working on, we're looking really at the nuts and bolts transactional um, problems that growers have. You know, one of the big areas is we um, expand our assortments um, and what it provide what customers are looking for. There's a classification of plants, which we call the HEOs, the high essential oil products. These are the stuff that stinks. These are also the ones that are the most problematic that we end up with um, a lot of problems rooting. So anything that's got an oil in it, um, is a little oily, has a fragrance to it, the foliage, um, these are classified as HEOs. It's a unique problem with dehydration. You dehydrate them a little bit, and then you start breaking down the vacuoles and the leaves, that blah, 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 blah. Anyways, there's a bunch of technical things that happen, but it's really sensitive, this HEO group, to um, hydration issues. So we've done a lot of work on ways to get, um, and of course, lavender is the poster child, high demand, high losses. Let's figure out how we can solve that one so we can provide more lavender to customers that really are looking for it. But there's a lot of these high essential oil crops, um, heliotrope, um, um, you know, there's another one of those, Lantana is another one of them. There's a number of these that really have these oils in them that really can be problematic during the dehydration, hydration issues. Um, we're also looking at stress issues with um, ipomia. Um, we're seeing that there's um, some real serious problems with um, pectobacteria, which has caused, I mean, I think everyone that's ever rooted ipomia knows that slime in a bag and then slime on the bench really is not a, a workable solution. So, um, We've done a lot of work this last year and continuing the work on pectobacterias. You know, for the old guys, it's Erwinia, but, you know, they've done a lot more genetics work on it and they now know that it's a separate bacteria. You know, we're also looking at just better processing methods. What's the, the optimum way to handle cuttings? You know, in the olden days, when we first got started, we had the proverbial for the sticking order list. This was, you know, stick these first, stick these last. Well, you know, if you go and you look at these correlated very well, you can basically see that 
stick really fast are ones that dehydrate really fast. Those that you can stick very late um, are, you know, shockingly, Bill, are ones that don't dehydrate very much, you know. So it's really you can change the paradigm, which is what we're trying to do with our research, and basically say if you hydrate them in the cooler and maintain hydration through the process, you can stick them when you get around to it. In fact, cuttings will then start storing so that they process better. You can recover cuttings. We've actually seen cuttings that come in that have been on a scary roller coaster ride that have succeeded in being um, rooting uniformly because we've rehydrated them before they hit the mist bench. So we're looking at better processing methods, um, really trying to optimize that relative humidity chain you know, which is very similar to the cold chain that has been um, developed over the years for cut flowers. So we're really kind of expanding that concept that it's not just a chain, cold chain, it's also there's a relative humidity chain that we need to maintain so that we can then have hydrated cuttings. Um, we're also looking at the optimum soil moisture to promote rapid callusing. A lot of growers end up um, applying too much water you know, there's a little bit of water in the soil, awesome. Saturated soil basically prevents root development because as we know, Bill, from other um, podcasts we've done, fish grow in water and roots grow in air. And oh, if you're rooting, yep. yep, right. I mean, I kind of beat that one to death. <laughs> but, um, you know, if we think about it, it's really important that we don't saturate the soil so we can get those roots that need the air in there. So, and also looking at fertilizer protocols because, um, you know, although the plants are well fed and have a lot of carbohydrates in them, those get depleted very rapidly due to leaching as you meet um, mist. The work that was done back in the 80s when I was young um, basically showed that you can leach most of the nutrients out of our out of cuttings just on the on the rooting bench. So how do we get those back in and, and what should we be putting back in is a big part of our overall um, strategy. So those are some of the different research areas. So I, you know, stay tuned as we um, develop the protocols and the recommendations as we go forward. And that's really exciting to hear about because, you know, the one thing that you said that, that jumped out at me is that whole, you know, the sticking priorities and if you know the ones that you can uh, store and stick when your labor is available, I would think that that would, you know, obviously labor is always a, a challenge. So you're going to make your labor more efficient um, and, and then still have success um, once those plants get stuck. So, you know, it, it's interesting how you look and you balance the, the business side with the, you know, the plant need side and the cultural and technical side. So that's, that's exciting uh, to hear about. And obviously high essential oil crops are, are very popular and such a, a kind of a growing trend um, at the moment. And it is great to hear that, that Nathan's doing a lot of research into those. Um, that's gonna help everybody out. So as we wrap up here, um, first of all, Will, thank you so much for your time. You always, uh, you're always a great, uh, educator and, and tell good stories that, that bring these, uh, these challenging topics um, down to a level that everybody can understand and implement. Um, and so again, thank you so much. But do you have any, any final thoughts before we, we wrap this one up? Well, the biggest burden that, or the biggest complaint and, and barrier that I get from growers is, um, you know, a cooler, it costs too much. 
cost too much to process them, cost too much for humidity. So let's let's get down to brass tacks, Bill, and let's just talk about putting in a decent cooler with the right relative humidity fog system in that cooler with a fog. You know, if you put $10,000 into upgrading your st sticking area so that it is not just good, but it's best of the state of the art that we have. So you throw $10,000 in it, okay? How much are you losing at retail? How much are you throwing away? You know, the work that we've done over the years on shrink is basically we're throwing a phenomenal amount of value and lost sales um, because we don't have uniformity. We don't have the product. We don't have product that can saleable. So that really when you look down at it, this $10,000 investment can turn into, you know, easily twenty dollars or $30,000 of sales at at the um, time that we need them to be shipped. So, you know, it's a wise investment because, you know, if you think about what we're doing, our unrooted cuttings are over 90% water. Mm. You know, if they're, you know, that's pretty much you dry them down to their dry weight, they're, they're 90 plus percent water. And then we need to manage that internal water if we want to be successful before we ever stick them. Because once they're stuck, it's kind of like sowing seed. Once you sow the seed, you're done it really, it's just, you're going to ride the wave to the end. So let's make sure that we've got this uniform cuttings going into the bench as we possibly can so that we're not on a bumpy road to the very end. Because, you know, if you think about it, this is a real long, it is a long race to retail, mm -hmm. right? I mean, Bill, you're a retailer, you know, it's a long time between what I do and what you were, you've done, which is at retail mm -hmm. and that we need to make sure that we've got every single one of our cuttings ready to get to retail this spring. So best of luck for the spring and uh, let's root some cuttings. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, Will, that's great information. I'm Bill Calkins with Tech On Demand, wishing you a fantastic start to your spring production season and throughout the year as you uh, bring in cuttings and hopefully uh, start them successfully and get that uniformity we've talked about. Take care.